from New England to the world. Streaming online at MorningBuzz.com and on iHeartRadio. This is Greg in the Morning Buzz. Yeah, coming uh, back at Legal Tuesday, uh, Buzz Legal Advisor Attorney Ryan Russman in studio. And I was just asking about, we always get questions about the, um, what's the, uh, Castle? The Castle Doctrine. The Castle Doctrine, which is protecting your home. Right. With uh, a medium use of force or, or whatever or it is. Reasonable in use of force. In fact, there's a, a case uh, that is, uh, as I understand here in Portsmouth, where a young uh, teenager went into someone's home um, with a, and the homeowner came out and there were some shots that were fired. And there's a question about whether or not there was reasonable force in that circumstance. The door was left unlocked. And, and, Who and leaves it, a door unlocked? Well, you know, again, I. You know where it's a pending case. I don't know all the details. That's you know, and, and, but it, one of the things that I do know is that, you know, responsible gun owners need to be absolutely certain of what the gun laws are and the circumstances for which they would be, you know, bringing uh, out a firearm and using them like that. And, you know, in the media recently, we saw two cases. One where there was a stand your ground uh, case in Florida where a fellow was shot in front of a gas station having had an altercation uh, with a man. They initially did not charge him and they cited the stand your ground law. Now they are charging him. And there's another case. I thought they should have. I, I did. I thought they should have. That was a, a, a tragic circumstance. The man actually died in front of his son. And yet there was another case even within the last few days where a fellow was approaching a Uber driver and he drew out, you see the surveillance tape, he draws out a cell phone. It looks like a firearm. And this Uber driver who is recently uh, through the police academy um, is armed and discharges his weapon and kills the man. And, you know, the interview afterwards, and this is the pu- part that the public needs to know, those kinds of decisions are final. And when you, you mean when you get out of a car and you go at somebody like that, and, and you're the, risking the chance that they are an armed uh, individual. It, right back. And, you know, the, the, the man that was interviewed, I saw the interview on the news. I mean, he was heartbroken that, you know, he actually said, I wish I had missed. Yeah. But, but he didn't. Right. And that's the thing that, you know, people, the responsible gun owners and people that have firearms need to take into account. Every single time. There is a difference between the Castle Doctrine and the Stand Your Ground Law. Oh, there absolutely is. There's no question. Okay. And, and I want to be clear about that. So, um, but, it, but it makes news. And, you know, when we have the Second Amendment uh, in contest in this country, and, and sometimes uh, we have to have these difficult conversations. Our mm-hmm. legislature's carved out these exceptions, and, you know, we need to be aware what those are. All right, here's our first question. My frail mother-in-law bought a new car outright and added me and her on the title as the owners. At the moment, she uses the car 100%. What would my legal responsibility be if she let others drive it and they have any issue, issues, such as an accident or getting pulled over? The vehicle is insured. Is she because she's on the, the, well, the if title? You're, if you're on the title, you're not necessarily the responsible party for allowing an improper person to drive or in the circumstance where if there was somebody else in the accident that you would necessarily be the one responsible. But what I would say to you is that you ought to have a conversation about what the nature of the coverage is on the car so mm-hmm. that, God forbid, if there was an accident or some sort of tragedy, that there's adequate coverage. So- yeah, sometimes when 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 people get older, uh, especially when it comes to driving, you worry about them making you know bad choices, Absolutely. which is weird because that's exactly what, what you, you do, do when you're little yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Recently, um, during a power outage at a New Hampshire housing building, my 83 year old mother, who is claustrophobic, was trapped in an elevator with no light for 25 minutes before the fire department was able to get her out. She is traumatized from the experience. She is having nightmares. Can she sue for emotional trauma? 
it, I would have to say it'd be difficult to you know, prove that particular case in a civil action. One of the things I would want to know more about is the nature of how the power loss occurred, what the response was, how the building handled the situation. So it's impossible in this moment to say whether or not there is or is not a cause of action. I would want more details before I gave a definitive answer. I know the answer to this question, <coughs> uh, but it says, Godfather, I've always wondered how it's legal for the NFL to ban radio personalities from saying the word Super Bowl. Shouldn't that be an issue of freedom of speech. I'd be interested in the lawyer's perspective. Well, it, there's trademark out there, and when these corporations develop a, a, a sense or form of entertainment, they go to court and they trademark those rules or those words because they want to protect the interest that they've developed through their finances in, in creating that product. The difference is this. I can report on the Super Bowl. I can say uh, inside scoop on the Super Bowl coming up. However, if I'm doing a promotion that involves, hey, we're going to give away Super Bowl tickets or we're going to, you know, that is where I cross the line because you have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to be an official uh, whatever of, of the Super Bowl. That's an NFL makes huge bank. Uh, doing that. So if we go to give away tickets to the Super Bowl, it's a violation. And, and it's, it's the stupidest thing. I get where they're coming from, but it's really ridiculous. Even if I'm doing a charity auction and say I have tickets to see, I got pa Patriots tickets, I have to say the football team because their lawyers are so ardent about uh, going after you and shutting you down if you do that. We've been through it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's crazy the extent to which they'll they'll do it. But they sell that right to use that word for they a lot of money, in that way. and you cannot violate it, and, and so you have to avoid if it. If I just want to just circle back to the gun question just through what you just answered how you just answered here's an example of a professional, Greg's here, answering in part his you know knowledge of how to navigate this show in terms of, of usage of words and so on. And that same sort of responsibility falls onto gun owners to be aware of what their rules and, and rights are. So this is a perfect example where you know Greg knows where he can and can't mm -hmm. go in terms of words gun owners need to have that same real knowledge of what they're doing oh yeah i've gotten i've gotten cease and desist oh absolutely, absolutely. laura you got a question Go ahead. i do my son has received two tickets within his first six months of driving one uh. was from new hampshire his license was suspended for 20 days his second was from maine should we expect him to lose his license again and how long should it take for maine to report this ticket well, I can't answer exactly how long the main uh, DMV system will take to respond to or to report that to New Hampshire. But once that is notified to New Hampshire, there will be an under-20 hearing. And as you could imagine, every time there's an infraction, the hearings examiners are going to look at the totality of the circumstances, and they can it dole out longer and longer suspension. So the other piece is if there was a part of a suspension that was held in advance, that portion of the suspension will be brought forward in addition to any new suspension. Um, I would suggest to the young person that they might want to avail themselves of a driver attitude improvement course they're offered by the National Safety Council. They can reduce a certain number of points on the license, but I would also have that as an arrow in your quiver should you actually have to go to a hearing in the future. Uh, yeah, my dad used to offer attitude adjustment courses. Yeah, he did it for free. <laughs> it was different than yeah, what he's right. talking about. Well, well, put yes. boot to the ass. Yeah, yes. yeah, right. I love yes. it. <laughs> That's a little bit different. That's right. It's a little bit different. If a, bi a bicyclist runs through a stop sign and I hit them, who is at fault? Well, bicyclists are bound by the rules of the road. And if they fail to navigate that uh, roadway, there will be, you know, their negligence. So I think that there would be, certainly you have an opportunity and a, and a responsibility to, for a proper lookout. So your driving is going to be examined, but a potential defense that your insurance company may make is that they fail to 
uh, follow the rules of the road. In fact, I will tell you from personal experience, um, I had a case many years ago where uh, just that fact happened. It, it returned in a defendant's verdict. The uh, bicyclist was uh, operating contrary to the laws uh, of the rules of the road, and they deemed that the injury and the accident was not the driver's fault. What about dro- What about bicyclists that drive? Abreast, like they're on the side of the road, but one of them's in the middle of the road, and you can't get around them as well, a car, and they're going under the speed limit. Like if you, well, if you abide by the rules of the road, where does that fall? I've always well, kind of wondered that. You know, there's there's a there's a, a law where you're supposed to give bicyclists, I believe it's like three feet. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you talk to the chief in Rye and, and perhaps the chief in Newcastle, they'll tell you that you know very often car versus bicycle is a bad combination. Yeah. And what happens is bicyclists need to also be mm-hmm. smart and respectful of the fact that they're operating, you know, really exposed on the roadway. So, you know, while I realize that there's a legal right, there's also a responsibility for bikers to, to act in, in... Common sense. Absolutely. Uh, one more question before we break here. My original divorce decree states a 50-50 custody of a child with no support from either parent. We've been doing this for six years. However, the child, now 16, wants to live full-time with me. Can the child choose, and if so, does the other parent have to pay child support? Well, that's a great question. So what would ultimately happen is the child would be uh, asked, I'm sure, through the court process, either through a guardian ad litem or directly, what their wishes would be. And at that age, you're given a great amount of... Great question. Of, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like... Yeah, for, chick, for, chick. for them, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Checks yeah. in the mail. Um, right. They would be given an opportunity to, to be heard on that. And... If, in fact, the court wanted to revisit the issue of child support because there's now a difference in the living arrangements, that's certainly something that could happen.